Uh, Rocket. What the hell happened? It's really quite simple, Mr. Crockett. The seizure stopped when she went into cardiovascular collapse. BP dropped out. We put her on a dopamine drip, but she didn't respond. We started CPR. She went flatline. A drug overdose. Your friend OD'd on cocaine. You got the wrong chart, lady. Sarah did not do drugs. I was just with her earlier tonight. She was straight as a judge. She didn't snort it or shoot it, Mr. Crockett. She swallowed it. found a ruptured balloon in the upper GI tract. Four more balloons were found intact. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm afraid we're going to have to notify the proper authorities. You already have. Crockett, Tubbs, Castillo, Gina and Trudy, Zito and Switek. Together, they are the OCB. They are Miami Vice. And this is the Vice of Miami podcast. Do you remember the fast cars, flashy clothes, big money, and all of the heavy players on the 1980s most iconic TV show, Miami Vice? Then this is the podcast for you. Join Mark and Tim as we review each season and episode, covering all of the details, such as the storyline, stars, music, fun facts and locations, and as well as trivia in which you can participate. Get ready for the Vice of Miami podcast. Welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 38. Mark and I are always glad you are joining us. We hope you enjoyed our last show covering definitely Miami, and we hope you enjoyed the special Halloween version. So as always, sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy the Vice of Miami podcast covering Season 2, Episode 13, Yankee Dollar. This episode's written by Daniel Pine and John Mankiewicz, directed by Aaron Lipstadt. The original air date was January 17th, 1986, and this is the 35th episode overall of the series. And our plot summary is the death of Crockett's friend leads to a man who mediates deals, but doesn't actually involve himself in them. Okay, Mark, let's cover the guest stars and co-stars that make an appearance in this episode. First up, we have Ned Eisenberg as Charlie Glide. We covered Ned's biography when he appeared as Federico Librizzi in the Miami Vice episode Lombard. Okay, Tim, next up we have Austin Pendleton. And Tim, next up we have Austin Pendleton as Max Rogo. He was born March 27, 1940, in Warren, Ohio. He's an American actor, and after graduating from Yale University, he began appearing on stage in the plays Fiddler on the Roof, The Diary of Anne Frank, and The Last Sweet Days of Isaac. He made his film debut in 1968's Petulia, followed by other movie appearances in Skidoo, Catch-22, What's Up, Doc? The Thief Who Came to Dinner, among many others. 
His first TV role was in Love, American Style, followed by Good Times, St. Elsewhere, The Equalizer, The Cosby Mysteries, 11 episodes of Homicide, Life on the Street, among many others. His most recent TV appearance was in a 2018 episode of Alex Incorporated. Pendleton currently teaches acting at the HB Studio and directing at the New School, both in Greenwich Village. Mark, next we have Ann Carlisle, born in 1956. She made her TV debut as Lydia Sugarman in this episode. Her film debut was in New York Beat Lab in 1981. Other uh, noted filmography is Liquid Sky in 1982, where she was also a co-writer, Perfect Strangers in 1984, Desperately Seeking Susan 1985, Crocodile Dundee 86, The Equalizer, the TV version 1987, that was her last recorded TV credit, and High Score 1990, which was her last recorded film appearance. Nothing could be found about Anne's personal life. We now have Clayton Rohner as Tim Davis. He was born August 5th, 1957 in Santa Clara, California, and he's an American actor. He made his acting debut in the 1982 TV movie Desperate Lies, followed by appearances in T.J. Hooker, Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Murder One, G vs. E, CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, Crossing Jordan, Daybreak, Justified Ozark, and his most recent TV appearance, the 2017 series Super High. His movie roles include Just One of the Guys, Modern Girls, P.I., Private Investigations, Where's Marlowe, Jobs, and his most recent movie appearance in 2018's We Are Boats. Nothing could be found about his personal life. We also have Audrey Matson as Sarah Davis. Matson appeared in the following roles from 1980 through 1999, other than her vice appearance. You Better Watch Out in 1980, which was her film debut, Christopher Columbus 1985 TV miniseries, Crime Story from 87 to 88, End of the Night, 1990, Law and Order, which was her last credited TV appearance in 1990, Simply Irresistible in 1999 was the last credited film appearance. Nothing else could be found about Audrey's personal life as well. And rounding out our guest stars, we have Pepe Serna as the Peruvian dealer Zabado. He was born July 23rd, 1944 in Corpus Christi, Texas, and he's an American actor. His movie debut was in 1970's The Student Nurses, followed by roles in Red Sky at Montana, The Day of the Locust, Car Wash, Walk Proud, The Jerk, Honeysuckle Rose, Vice Squad, Buckaroo Banzai, Heartbreaker, Scarface, and his most recent appearance in 2018's The Green Ghost. His TV career began with an appearance in Mannix, followed by appearances in Kung Fu, Adam 12, The Rookies, The Rockford Files, Beretta, Kojak, T.J. Hooker, Knight Rider, Hill Street Blues, Quantum Leap, among many others. His most TV, uh, most recent appearance was in Dimension 404. Serna met his wife Diane shortly after arriving in Hollywood. They married in 1969 and are still together. Keep note, people. Pepe will have a very pivotal role in a later Vice episode. Very, very pivotal. And rounding out our co-stars, we have Marilyn Dodds-Frank as Dr. Bergen and Lou Colombo as Weber. 
Mark, let's take a look at the fun facts, goofs, and locations for this episode. Our first goof, when Crockett drops Sarah off, he leaves the passenger side seat forward after removing her suitcase from the back. However, when he walks back to his car, the seat is back in place. When Max executes Tim, it's obvious he never actually fires the pistol. The sound has simply been dubbed over the shot to make it appear that he does. Mark, the first location is 500 Brickell Avenue in Miami. That is when Crockett is driving Sarah to her home. Her home is actually 811 Surf Road in Hollywood, Florida. The road Crockett is driving on when he drops her off is actually now a walkway. Tim, our next location is 485 Matheson Drive in Key Biscayne. That's Glides Villa. And if you think back to a couple episodes previously, this house has made an appearance in a few other episodes. And Mark, our final location is Miami River at Northwest 17th Avenue in Miami. And that is the boathouse for the bogus meat and boat explosion. Now we're going to move on to some Miami Vice in the news. In April of 2022, the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago announced its 2022-2023 season. Miami Vice alum Austin Pendleton, who plays Max Rogo in this episode, will be starring in Harold Pinter's absurdist classic, No Man's Land. And that will be from July 13th to August 20th, 2023, directed by Les Waters. Let's check out the music for this episode. First up, we have Par Avion by Mike and the Mechanics during the opening. La Hamakita by Papo Cadena at Glide's party. The Harder They Come by Jimmy Cliff. That's during the dinner with Sugarman. And Your Time Is Gonna Come by Russ Ballard. Jan Hammer music that appeared in this episode is The Trial. And that is when Crockett and Tubbs meeting with Glide at the water grandstands. Let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. Last episode, we asked, when we first see Charlie Bassett poolside after the gopher for Clemente gets away, he's speaking to the bartender. How hot does he say it's going to be? He said, it's going to be a real killer. Take a listen. Hot enough for you? Yeah. It's going to be a real killer. And we'd like to thank Tom G for emailing his correct answer. And this show's trivia question is, when Burnett meets Cooper at the Riverside Stadium for the exchange along with Charlie, how does Cooper greet Burnett? You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at Vice at Duck. Dot com. All right, let's get started on the discussion portion, Tim. We open up uh, at OCB. It's we're guessing it's nighttime. Uh, the vice crew is at OCB, each pair, Gina, Trudy, Zero, uh, Zero and Switek, Crockett and Tubbs, 
they're uh, getting ready for their respective nights. It may be work. It may be play. I think uh, Zeno and Switek were going to see Pinocchio or something. Yes, it was at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Crockett himself, he's going over some files. Uh, he's got a concerned look on his face. Not really normal, just looks concerned. And Tubbs is on the phone pretty much laying the pavement with some new hottie, giving her the, you know, the, the, the mushy uh, sweet nothings over the phone. And I, I think there's more than one hottie. Yeah, probably. Good party line, right? <laughs> yes, because he offered he offered Crockett. He extended an invitation to Crockett mm-hmm. to join him. Right. I also think it's kind of uh, hypocritical. He's he's talking like this. And if you take a look in the episode, you could clearly tell there's a Bible on the desk. And if you really look hard, it goes from open to closed a couple times to open again. So anyway. You know, they all part the ways. Crockett stays behind and he seems bothered by the file he's looking at. Uh, either something about it or something else is on his mind. Um, he calls Miami Airport for some flight info. He ends up over at uh, Miami Airport and he picks up an old flame who is a stewardess. I'm sorry, flight attendant. So, anyway, he picks her up and then uh, he drops her off at her house. Um, you know, he's obviously wanting to spend the night. But then she's kind of giving him, not necessarily the brush off, but, you know, she just wanted to crash pretty much. So he drops her off and returns uh, from grabbing the flowers from the car. She screams, he busts in, and he finds her in the, uh, pretty much in distress and gets her to the hospital. Well, she ends up dying right there in the ER. I have a question, you know, okay, we have a storyline that she's dead, but all I can figure out is she died from what? So we move on there. But as you find it, you will find out a little bit here what it was. So now we're at the hospital. We do find out what happened to Sarah. She ingested some dope as with a mule, I guess. uh, One of them busted into her esophagus or no, I'm sorry, in the upper GI tract, which would be the esophagus. And the rest were in the rest of the balloons were intact in her in her gut. So she must have just swallowed something that, you know, it was in the upper GI. Uh, so it was a overdose. And as we find out later, it was from cocaine. Then it switches the, the, to uh, pulling up to Sarah's house. Crock and Tubbs notice two guys trying to get her attention at the door. They sneak up on him. One guy gives her, gives a storyline that he's, she's buying his car. He's got the bill of sale. Uh, he shows it to Crockett, and Crockett tells him to beat it. These guys, they just split in a hurry. Crockett and Tubbs check out Sarah's place, and Tubbs is thumbing through her checkbook, and he sees a large deposit, and uh, Crockett says, nobody pays five Gs for an OZ for an ounce. They figure she must be carrying samples. Crockett lays out her flight attendant route, explaining her Coke pickup, he said that she's flying the same route. Uh, I think it was to Bogota. Uh, Bogota went right. back to Miami for well, several years. Through, through Paris, I believe, right? Yes, something like that. For, Miami to Paris to Bogota to Paris. And, it, to and this was just uh, this was just one of her regular routes as a flight attendant. Two hundred thirty-eight bucks. Not very much for a rainy day. Turn the page, Rico. Miss the last deposit. Five grand, day before yesterday. Miami to Bogota, Bogota to Paris, Paris to Miami. 
two years. And she doesn't like the powder? They found 23 grams of coke inside her. Figure five or six killed her. She had a total of an ounce in there. Nobody pays $5,000 for an OZ. She must be carrying a sample. It's the only thing that makes any sense. And I was thinking here, is this, is Crockett's judgment uh, and this involvement already clouding up his judgment? We shall mm -hmm. see, right? We shall see. Meanwhile, some chump rolls up and he wonders where Sarah's at. But he's acting really squirrely, twitchy. Crockett and Tubbs give a quick foot chase and learn that this is Sarah's brother, Tim Davis. Crockett tells him she died and he asks, where's the body at? Immediately, Crockett and Tubbs look at each other like, that's what you're worried about? Mm -hmm. And they and Crockett knew all this guy wanted was the Coke. Was the Mark. Coke, yeah. You don't say, you know, if, if it's your sister, you, you, you think you'd say, where is she at? What's the problem? Blah, blah. Where's the body? You would, be, you would <laughs> break down crying and things like that, but you would, mm -mm. you would think. Not this guy. So anyway, we're back at OCB. Crockett and Tubbs are interrogating her brother in their own special way. And this guy says that uh, she wanted to do it for the money. So pretty much confesses, yeah, she was running some coke there. She wanted the money to buy the car. The other guys there were to drop off. So these first guys, they were pretty benign, more or less innocent, I guess. Tub right. says, as a criminal, you're a complete bust out a mess, which sums it up right there. <laughs> you, you need to go to jail for stupidity, he says. But her brother ends up giving up a uh, little info about some guy called Charlie Glide. So anyway, Crockett and Tubbs, they're on the scarab and they're surveilling Charlie Glide and his little soiree he's uh, throwing from a distance. And Crockett says, uh, you know, he stays far away from the white stuff until now. So they got their gears rolling in their head that this guy has more than something to do with it. Uh, Crockett drops off Tubbs at a nearby dock, and then Crockett continues to tie up at Charlie's uh, dockside house. Again, Charlie is entertaining a small crowd, and Sonny, as now Burnett, just happens to pop in, and he says he's here on business. Burnett, you know, calls him off to the side, and he pretty much dangles 10 keys of nose whiskey, and he, uh, where he allegedly pilfered from Vice, which in turn they got from a Spanish tuna boat. So... Crockett wants this guy to move it for him. This guy pretty much stays squeaky clean. He really doesn't really want to get into it, but he might know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Sonny Burnett, I didn't even invite you, and here you are. I didn't come here for a social call, art lover. Would you excuse us for a moment, please? Sure. It's a sweet deal, really. Ten keys of nose whiskey, 90 proof, ready to pour. If it's so sweet, Burnett, why do you need me? I don't know how to march this powder out. I'm used to being the Pony Express. And I got this heavy-duty aversion to non-prescription drugs. Remember? I got conflicting reports about that. It's wives' tales. That's by Chaucer. How do you know? Contraband running hot, maybe? Miami Vice thinks they pulled a hundred keys of premium blow off a... Spanish tuna boat last week. Fact is, they're 10 keys short. Hmm. <laughs> Don't ask. 
And I was thinking maybe you could recommend an investor. Uh, fast forward here to a, um, it just said police department on the sign or something like that. And it ends up being pretty much a storeroom for cocaine. Evidence locker, yep. Evidence locker, yeah. But you think it'd be, if it was real, a little bit, even if it was real or fake, which we'll find out what the money is later, you think it'd be a little bit more secure. The, the Kraken Tubs, they ask this guy who appears to be everybody's grandpa. I mean, geez, you might as well just have Barney Fife in there, right? This guy's guarding shelves of Coke and cash. And along with a rat, you can see a rat crawling around there. They asked to borrow some contraband as a trump card for this deal. So now uh, at a, we're at a restaurant and Tubbs playing his Cooper role from the islands sits down with a briefcase full of cash in front of Max Rogo, who was, at, who was introduced to Sonny Burnett by Charlie Glide as his assistant. And he asked him to invest it for Johnny Souls from Kingston, man. Max is not doing anything right for Charlie, and he finally snaps at him. Charlie pays him lip service, and you can see the screws turning Max's head about the money that Tubbs gave him. Tim Davis tells Max that he has info for Charlie. Max isn't having any of Tim's attitude and caps his ass because earlier in the when he had a conversation with Charlie Glide, you know, they basically talked about how Tim was really screwing up, mm-hmm. and Charlie says you take care of it, and he gives him his, one of his guns. Right. So I believe, didn't, didn't Max say that I'm not your gopher? That was one of his things. No, you're my assistant, right. and assistant takes care of things like this. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was pissed because it seemed like he's being his personal errand boy, and that's not what Max was hired to be. Right. So he said, all right, you're my assistant. You take care of Tim, and he gives him the, that's when he had given him the gun earlier. So we move along here to where Tim's body was found, the crime scene. Uh, Crockett tells another detective there that it's an execution by Glide. Obviously not by his hand, though. The detective says they've never been able to touch Glide because, again, Glide glides along. He stays far away from the trouble. He pads himself. Uh, So now we're at a restaurant here where Max and Charlie are having lunch. And this just happens to be the same restaurant that is right by the stadium, which we'll get to later. But anyway, Max is giving Charlie the lowdown on um, Tubbs's, which is Johnny Soul, uh, the vestment he wants to make. Through the 10 keys Burnett has, and now Soul's cash to finance, Glide thinks that the cops are trying to put the slide on old Glide. Exactly. He's one smart cookie, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, Max is going to replace Tim essentially. But Charlie says that Burnett is good enough. Let him be the middleman. Max looks absolutely stunned about this. Because especially since they just had a conversation that these guys are, these are cops trying to pull one over on us. Mm -hmm. Crockett and Charlie are going over the details of Coke and Cash. Crockett and Charlie agree on 33, 33K a key. Charlie says that is every cent that Soul has, but Crockett knows better. Max gives Tubbs a price of 43 a key. Tubbs knows better. Max is being a little bad boy here. Remember how he snapped at Charlie? Mm-hmm. Who's playing who here? So exactly. he's trying to make a little extra skim about 10 key 
10K a key for himself. But these guys both know that, you know, even if they didn't think Crockett and Tubbs knew each other, they were both going to make off anyways. Yes. Essentially. Guy doesn't want to be carrying around all that cash. It'll be in a safe deposit box. He'll give you the key when you produce the bad thing. It's like an eye for an eye, a key for a key. <laughs> you guarantee? I do my best. I'll set up a meeting for tomorrow night. 30 a kilo. Gonna have 35, my friend. These new Coast Guard blockades are driving the prices right through the ceiling. I can talk them into 32. 33. That's every cent he's got. 43. Thought you said it would be 35. Well, I said I'd try 35. I did. It went over like the Titanic. <laughs> Look, at 43, it's practically a steal. I mean, the stuff is untrampled. Hmm. 43. I just have enough. Fortunately. Charlie then heads to his bank and he makes a withdrawal from a safe deposit box. Then he asks the clerk to put the box put the 100k in his corporate account. So he's just moving cash around. Meanwhile, after he leaves, Zito and Switek are watching from the Bugbusters van going to the bank for something. We shall see. Oh, yes, we shall. And this is where we move along. Uh, I believe it was nighttime to the Miami Marine Stadium. That's why I was talking about where the restaurant was connected. But anyway, Burnett and uh, Charlie meet up with Tubbs at the Miami Marine Stadium for the exchange. Uh, Charlie is on to them both as cops and he says clean so far. Hey, why don't you put that in report that you're, uh, in, you know, trying to get me for entrapment tubs. So anyway, until Tubbs says that the money he deposited was counterfeit. Try to explain that one. Well, Charlie here is great at making deals. He wants to make a deal. So now we're at OCB and Crockett and Tubbs and Castillo or in the other room, they're going over their options on how to deal with Glide. And Glide is just sitting there cool as a cucumber. Uh, Castillo says work with him because they know that he knows a bigger up drug dealer. Charlie gives some info on a company and a chick called Sugarman and how he's helping her with a drug deal with just $1 million off the top. That's his take. Pretty smooth guy, huh? He knows what to Pretty do, how to guy. get done. You know, I found this odd. This was the first time that Castillo appeared in the episode. And I'll, I'm going to save my comments till, till I review. Gotcha. So then we could, we could discuss that there. Now we have Charlie, Crockentubs, and Lydia Sugarman, who are on the Peruvian's boat to facilitate the deal of the samples that killed Sarah. This Peruvian, uh, known as Zabado, is basically... He's just an unkempt slob. Uh, yeah, he's Lydia eating his just food, wants, falling out of his mouth, you know, eating yep, with his mouth mm -hmm. open, just a pig. Lydia just wants the deal to go down and did not really want to know the specifics. Crockett is found driving around still pained by Sarah's death. I thought this was, uh, this was after the party, obviously, but a good thing this was a short scene. He just saw some chick at a stoplight that looked... Uh, it was a yes, flight attendant. Looked like her. Mm -hmm. Looked like her. But thank God it didn't go on and on and on like it typically does. So yes, now we're exactly. So now we're at OCB. The vice team's going over details on Zabado Crockett. You could tell he's zoned out. He's out in outer space. Castillo runs down on how the deal is going to transpire. Radical right winger, 
This guy fled Cocoland one step ahead of a military court-martial for the torturing of suspected guerrilla sympathizers. Where'd he get the marching powder? Oh, get this. He's got a cousin that went to Caltech. He returns home as this legendary jungle chemist. Yeah, he tried to get a patent on his secret recipe for refining coke, but he didn't. What's your call? It looks really good. The lady's loaded and ready to rock and roll home. And the Peruvian, he's anxious to embrace the good life in America. What about Glide? Uh, oh, we can't trust him. We knew that from the beginning. And then um, on the boat, we got a quick scene with Zito and Switek on a boat, dockside, waiting for a deal to happen. Uh, and then Mac, we have a scene where Max calls Lydia from a club and lets her know that the plans for the drop have changed due to the fact that Charlie thinks that Croc and Tubbs are cops. Max tells her the new deal with a slight sacrifice. He don't care, she don't care, whatever works, right? So now we're at mm -hmm. the Peruvian's boat, Zabado's boat, this big uh, shipping boat or whatever. Crockett and Tubbs, along with Charlie, they arrive on Crockett's scarab to pick up the product. They take another scarab. Uh, Charlie climbs aboard the uh, Zabado's boat. Crockett and Tubbs left with the product, along with another one of uh, Zabado's gun-toting ushers. And then Crockett tells whoever, make sure you get my boat back to the marina. So anyway... The, uh, Zito and Switek, you know, doing their surveillance. They see the cash carriers arrive at a small building um, and then up motors Crockett and Tubbs and they pull the boat inside. They sense a problem when the door starts closing all by itself. They dive off the back of the boat where this door was already, this garage door type thing was already closed. And as they jump out, it's already halfway closed. It's only halfway closed. Talk about a goof. Mm -hmm. So they sense a problem. They dive out. They swim away and kaboom. There's a, right. there's a slight sacrifice, but the rug was pulled out on the sacrifice. And if you remember, uh, there was a, a short scene where Zabado and Charlie were talking on a boat and they, and I guess that small sacrifice was going to be, I believe it was one of Zabado's men, Armando or Hernando. Right. I don't remember right. the exact pronunciation name, but they, he talked about how, Doors come up, doors come go down, and they go boom. Right. So that that was that little short scene that was there as well, uh, that set up what was going to happen to, uh, or was supposed to happen to, Burnett and Cooper. Kaboom. So now we move on to we're inside a club where Max is having a grand old time with drinks and the ladies. When in storms Crock and Tubbs, they rough him up and then they exit with Max. They take him outside and get the real details. They commandeer a boat and head to another location. At a marina, Lydia is paying commission to the other Peruvians. When he gets to Charlie, she shoots the Peruvian and says, Charlie always gets away. Crock and Tubbs show up. And yes, another Miami Vice shootout happens. It's not a it's not a true vice scene without a shootout, right? <laughs> That's right. Not a not an episode without one. All the big players die except for Charlie. In the end, Charlie thinks he's off scot-free as he did what he was told to do. Vice knows he switched the deal but can't prove it. But then Castillo shows up and he asks, Charlie, this your gun? And Charlie says, yeah, it's mine. I got a permit for it. 
and Castillo surprises him that it was used to kill Tim. Book him, murder one. He may have not pulled the trigger, but he ordered a hit. Mm-hmm. They, they're, jam, they're jamming him up. Charlie's in the jackpot. It's kind of like the RICO act from the mobsters, you know, get him on tax evasion, right? Yeah, like they did in The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. It was two above, not three. Boy, was I glad to see you guys. <laughs> you set us up. You set us up. You set Sarah up, her brother, and hey, those guys. Hey, Sonny! Sonny! Hey, they switched the meat on me. The Indian made you for a cot to be ordered to hit. I didn't know about it until it was too late. You set yourself up, man. That's your job, isn't it? Crockett! You better not get a jaywalking ticket, pal, because you're mine. What? I helped you out, Crockett. You got the drugs, the money, the players, everything. I did what you asked, man. We had a deal. Huh? Didn't we? Is this your gun? Sure is. I got a permit for it. Same kind of gun that killed Tim Davis. I didn't do it. Doesn't matter, Charlie. It's your destiny. How crazy. I'm innocent. It's karma, Charlie. Be happy you finally get to pay. Book a murder one. Okay, Tim, let's check out how the ratings roll out for this episode. IMDb gives this a 7.9. Tim, do you agree, sir? Mark, I don't agree with the IMDb rating at all because in our last podcast episode, Definitely Miami, IMDb gave that an 8.8, which is just right behind Out Where the Buses Don't Run at 8.9. This episode was far better than... Definitely Miami, and I give it a big thumbs up. Here we have the OCB team is back doing basic good police work that was within the vice jurisdiction, hunting down a drug dealer whose coke killed Crockett's friend, Sarah. It did take a while for Castillo to show up and get briefed on this operation. I thought he would have been brought in uh, after they got Clyde's name from Tim Davis. Just It was just odd that they were operating, especially when it came to the money part, because usually, and, and we've seen it in past episodes, a supervisor is the one that is has to sign off on getting that money in here. It's like Crock and Tubbs just waltzed in and got the money, uh, money and coke, you know, rats and all. I love how Glide played both ends against the middle to insulate himself from his criminal dealings. And then he gets put in a jackpot for the death of Tim Davis even though he did not fire the kill shot from his gun, Max did. You know what? It's whatever works in Miami. Overall, a great episode. Whatever works. Isn't that the name of an episode? It was the name <laughs> of an episode. Okay, Tim, I agree. I give this a thumbs up as well. A very good story. Again, like you said, back to the basics, back to brass tacks of vice. When Crack and Tubbs were at OCB in the opening, uh, like I stated, I thought Crockett was a little bit strained. Uh, you know, look on his face when he was going through the file. So was this a file that he knew Ciro may have been involved in something, but maybe he didn't know. Who knows? I also thought Castillo would have been front and center at the hospital once Crockett brought in Ciro from the OD. I mean, Castillo pretty much knows everything all the time. You know, maybe the... Or should be made aware. Right, right. Maybe the nursing, nursing staff already did their police contacts and then boom, there he goes. But he wasn't. Glide, he was like Vito Corleone. 
he had a lot of buffers. Yeah, buffers. Right, yeah, buffer. The family had a lot of buffers. He kept his nose clean, but so close to the shave. Always one step ahead, one step behind from the people who were doing the work for him. Once Max uh, snapped at Glide, I knew right away that Max would try to get his due rather than being the gopher. Technicality of Murder One would be a stretch for Vice pretty much in any other episode, but they threw the turd at the wall to see what would stick. So again, good episode. Yeah, I think, you know, what one interpretation of when Crockett had that file at the beginning, I think he was just finishing paperwork at the end of the day like they all were. And then here, everybody's everybody's got something going on except for him. So it might have been him just pondering you know, hey, I'm, 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 I don't got anything going on. So that's when he just started checking, you know, the airport. And it's obviously yeah. way pre mm-hmm. September 11th that you're going to get all that information from them. Oh yeah. But nowadays you get it online, so yeah. it wouldn't matter like arrivals and things like that. So, but that's just that was just my interpretation. And we have a ride at Snurd's Chalkboard of Wisdom, where we hope to inspire, enlighten, or make you snicker a little. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world, we encounter many challenges that we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere through the show and our social media, we'd like to offer some parroting thoughts. A simple quote, phrase, words of encouragement, or a funny quip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd be talking to ourselves. And yes, we say friends because that's what we consider everyone who follows our show and our social media. This episode's quote is... I often warn people, somewhere along the way, someone's going to tell you there's no I in team. What you should tell them is, maybe not, but there's an I in independence, individuality, and integrity. That's from the late, great George Carlin. We encourage everyone listening to the Abazitive Force, not only in your life, but others as well. It's contagious and can make our world a better place. And with that, we'd like to bring this episode of the Vice of Miami podcast to a close. If you like our show, and we hope that you do, please help spread the word. We can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Vice of Miami podcast and Twitter at Podcast Vice. Tell a friend and post this and other episodes on your social media and tag us at Vice of Miami podcast so we can see it. And if you can, please rate and review the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast platform of choice. This helps us out immensely. It only takes a few moments and it would be mean the world to us. It's listeners like you who make what we do here worth it. We, have, we are just offering many thanks to all who have liked, commented, or reviewed our shows. So until next time, we will see you on the Vice of Mommy podcast for show 39, covering season two, episode 14, One Way Ticket. Now, well, what do you say we call it a day, pal?